day are dangerous men. The dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act their dream with open eyes to make it possible. Anybody here daydreaming in school when you were younger? Still daydreaming now? Yeah, I get it, yeah. Well, Lawrence of Arabia would say that's a good thing. This morning, I want to talk about the dreamers of the day. This morning, I want to talk about those dangerous men and women, those who act their dreams out with their eyes wide open. This morning, I want to talk about these who are motivated by this endangered, almost extinct quality, a quality that is often misunderstood, a quality that is undervalued in a world that is becoming increasingly numb by the onslaught of overstimulation. Overstimulated by confusion, anxiety, and chaos, we are a world that has been assaulted by amusement, luxury, and gratification. A world where people are becoming increasingly indifferent, apathetic, unconcerned, and uninvolved. A world that desperately needs this value. That is why we, as the leaders of this church, decided this is a must value for us. And that value is passion. Passion is the same thing as or, or, or a cousin to, I should say, to the word enthusiasm. Have you heard this word, enthusiasm? Enthusiasm is from the Greek word entheos. And entheos basically means inspired by God within us. So when you are enthusiastic, when you are passionate, it just means that you are inspired by God that is within you. I love that word. We've lost a lot of enthusiasm. Have you noticed that? People are very bland these days. Is it just me? Have you noticed this? People come up to me and they say, oh, oh, oh you're like that because you're Italian. No! No, this is because I'm Italian, but this is because I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am convinced that Jesus loves me, that he came down to this earth to die for me on the cross. And because of that, and because I've accepted that, I have eternal life. That's why I'm like this. So passion. Inspired action. What is passion? So let's, let's define that in generic terms terms right now and then we'll we'll talk about it passion is that burning intensity that god ignites within our hearts anybody here have that if not get on your knees and say god give me some passion passion is that driving ambition that that propels us they that forces us to excel people with passion can't stand the axiom that if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> They're like, if it ain't broke, it could be better. <laughs> and they don't mind breaking something to make it better. We'll talk about that the next time when we get on excellence. <laughs> Passion is that inside fire. 
that forces us out of the epicenter of self to effect kingdom change in a hurting world. That's passion. It's what happened to those disciples who walked with Jesus on the way to Emmaus. And, and Jesus gave them this Bible study. And, and they were sitting there. They couldn't believe it. Suddenly they realized this was the Messiah that was with them, that had walked with them, and that had died, and had been resurrected. And all of a sudden they're having this Bible study by Jesus. Can you imagine that? And they say, did not our hearts, what? Burn within us. As he opened to us, the word. Now, this specific quality, <coughs> excuse me, is very unique because it is the one quality that really affects all the other qualities. Passion affects all the other values. Passion fuels our sense of mission. We've talked about being purpose-driven. Passion fuels that. Passion inspires our oneness, our togetherness, our solidarity. Passion demands excellence. Passion compels sensitivity. Passion echoes authenticity. And passion ignites creativity. When you have passion, it affects every one of those values that we have decided to adopt at this church as values that we're going to be using every day of our lives and every moment that we do ministry. And everybody that is a volunteer, which is everybody, <laughs> everybody that is involved at whatever level of ministry, we want you to know these values. We want to, to embody these values. We want, to, we want you to own these values. We want you to say, these are my values when it comes to the way I do ministry. I have a sense of purpose. We do this together. We do it with excellence. We do it with sensitivity. We do it authentically, and we do it with creativity. And passion fuels all those. There is this wonderful... Bible passage that's found in Deuteronomy. And it is such an amazing passage that the Israelites were told to memorize this passage. This one was a must. In fact, not only memorize it, but they were to teach it to their children. And every Israelite knew this. And this is what it went like. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. It was almost as if God knew that this quality called passion was, was going to be lost. It's almost as if he knew, look, if I don't remind them that I need them to put their all into something, that's passion, if I don't remind them that they need to love God with all their hearts and all their soul and all their strength, they're going to forget 
And they're not going to know what it really means to worship God. <clears throat> when was the last time that you said, you know, God, I, wanna, I want to be yours with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. God, I'm tired of just being partly yours. I want to be wholly yours. That's passion. So let's talk about these. All our hearts. That's the mind. And here's some questions that I want to encourage you to ask yourselves. And we ask ourselves as, as a church. Where are our greatest intellectual resources spent? Are they uh, watching the news? Reading the newspaper? Or contemplating the word of God? Do we own our beliefs? Or, or, or do I still have the belief that my mom and dad had and somehow I just went along with it? Do I own it? Is it mine? All my heart says, what are we feeding our minds with? Are we being conformed by this world or transformed by God's thoughts? Like, like Philippians 4, 8 says, right? Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, think on these things. Yeah. And for some reason, we are losing sight. Of, can you tell this? Or is it just me? Can you tell we're losing sight of this? Can you tell? The, you know, I, listen, I, it's not just churchgoers. I hear pastors I, I wonder if they have an ounce of passion sometimes. I was at a church some, some, some months ago, and the guy was talking about Jesus coming. And this is the way he was talking about it. Church, you need to know Jesus is coming soon. Very soon. Are you ready? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like, what? I don't know. I think if we're going to announce that Jesus is coming soon, we ought to be like, hey, guys, guess what? Jesus is coming soon. It's going to be amazing. Are you ready? If not, we're going to help you. We're going to make this happen because Jesus is coming. See, that, that, that fits what you're talking about, right? We talked about this uh, when we talked about... Um, uh, presence with the worship team, you know. Somebody walks in and says, you know, somebody comes right through that door and says, uh, excuse me, just want you to know there's a fire out there. <laughs> We'd be looking at him going, okay. <laughs> but if somebody opens those doors wide open and says, fire! You know, all of a sudden, boom, we're all out of there. Why? Because their expression matches their passion. And sometimes we, we have become so guarded that we, we no longer... We think that being passionate is a bad thing. We think that we need to be calm. Now, by the way, I've known some very calm people that can get pretty passionate. And they do it calmly. I don't know how they do it. That's amazing. But it's a wonderful thing to watch. What about... This one. Does God have all our minds or... A seventh of our mind, once a week. How is your Christianity lived out? 
on a daily basis. That's all our hearts. What about all our soul? Is our experience merely an intellectual yet emotionless one? I hear this all the time. Well, don't let your emotions get in the way. God created the heart. God created emotions. Do you believe that? Why would God create emotions and then tell us, yeah, don't, don't do that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Sure, I want to be intelligent. I don't want to be stupid about what I believe. I want to be very intelligent about what I believe. But I also know that if I'm intelligent about what I believe, I'm going to be convinced about some things that have to move my heart. If they don't move my heart, something is wrong. Do we shy away from being demonstrative about our joy of the Lord? Is there any spontaneity in our lives? Or am I or are we preoccupied with making sure that we don't make any mistakes and mess up our image? There are people more concerned about their image preserving their reputation than they are about building the kingdom of God. And that sucks the passion out of us. Do those around us, sorry about the use, <laughs> perceive us as wholeheartedly devoted to God or stoic and guarded? And what about all our strength? Is our religion merely a superficial display of who we are really not or a deep expression of who we really are? You're like, wait, I came to church to get some answers. You're just giving me questions. Yeah. Yeah, these are questions that are extremely important that we ask ourselves on a daily basis. What are the deepest longings of our beings? Are we pursuing them in God-honoring ways? What ministries is God calling us, the Richland Seventh-day Adventist Church, to do? Are we using our strengths, our knowledge, and our resources for those causes, for his causes? Have you ever sat around a fire on a hot summer night? I don't know why we do that on hot summer nights. But it's beautiful, isn't it? It's mesmerizing to see that fire, right? Have you ever noticed if there were moths around, they get attracted to the fire and they just get... <laughs> it's kind of a bummer for them, you know. And anybody here that's a moth lover, I'm not trying to, you know, promote this, but this happens... I want to be like a moth that's attracted to the fire of Jesus. So here's the next question is, what is your flame? What is your fire that you are attracted to? Is it the kingdom of God or is it some materialistic thing? Is it some success, some fame, some power? What is it? I decided a long time ago that I would make my flame helping people across the threshold of eternity. 
So there's a story in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read this story with you. It's a familiar story. We sing about it every Christmas season. Even though we we sing it wrongly, but we sing about it. And the story goes like this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now the word magi is where we get the word magic from. Magi were people that studied not only the books, but the stars. People that, that looked at nature to understand the things of God. And they were from Babylon. They were from modern-day Iran. They were from Arabia. Some believe that some of these magi, which, by the way, nowhere in the Bible, I think most of you know this, does it say that there were only three of them, right? Yet we sing, we three kings. But it's not true. (laughs) We, We don't know how many. In fact, some traditions believe there were 12. Who knows how many came? We believe it's three because of the gifts, right? But the gifts really were gifts that you would give to any king. So here you have these, can I just use this word, heathens. Is that okay? They're, they're non, they're not Israelites, they're Gentiles, they're they don't even really know what they're looking for. They're, they're just there, and they're just going, and, and they're following a star. They came from to the, Magi came from the east, came to Jerusalem, and asked. Now catch this. This question is huge. Catch what they're not asking here. This is so important. They ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Did you notice what they're not asking? They're not asking, is there One born king of the Jews. What are they asking? Where? There is no doubt in their mind that this event is happening. It has happened. There is no doubt in their mind. These heathen minds. (laughs) That, That some supernatural power was guiding them to the king of the universe. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Wow. How much passion do you think it would have taken for these men and women to travel in these caravans across Arabia to go and see the king? How much preparation We don't really know, by the way, how long it took for them to get there. How long? Some people believe that it was uh, two years, actually, 
We think, you know, some of us say, well, it was, you know, right after uh, Jesus was born. No, no, it says that he was living in Bethlehem because he was too poor. He, he wasn't staying in the little cave anymore, you know. And, 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 and it, it, there's some hints to the fact that it was two years. In fact, one of the things that happens is that Herod decides that he should kill all the children that are what? Two years and younger. Why? Because there was a two-year window there that he could have been. And so we have this moment here, right? And then it says this, when King Herod, this is the king of the Jews, when King Herod heard this, he was what? Disturbed. Quite frankly, I think he was disturbed before this. But he hears this, and instead of rejoicing, he what? He's disturbed. Is there something wrong with this picture? And then it says, and all Jerusalem with him. So not only was he disturbed, but the whole church was disturbed. Hey, look, he, today he could have said, you know, and when Sergio heard this, he was disturbed. And all of the church with him. I mean, it's the equivalent of that. This is, this is God's people. This is Jerusalem. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the people that should know. This is the people. And yet God is speaking to a bunch of heathens. Not that he hasn't been speaking to the church. The church just hasn't been listening. The church has lost its passion for the Messiah, but not these guys. Are you following here the story? And it says this. When he had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah to be born? He doesn't even know. And they say, well, let's look it up. Oh, yes. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you, it's just like God, isn't it? Out of the least, out of the, the smallest little town, out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. See, there were priests in there that knew this, but they didn't realize that they should look this up now until when? Until some heathens came by. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him. Hey, hey, let me know so that I too may go and worship him. There's something about knowing the story ahead of time. Because we know this is not happening. And then the story goes like this. After they had heard the king, they went on, went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Weird star, I would say. And when they saw the star, they were what? Disturbed. They were overjoyed. Now, they were not even joyous. They were what? Overjoyed. What does overjoyed mean? It's like you can't contain it, man. It's like spilling over. This, 
They're not sitting there going, wait a minute, what's this guy doing in the little manger thing? Come on, this is the king of the universe, this can't be him. No! They know it's him. There's no doubt in their mind. They have such courageous faith that they've traveled all along. They come there, they see him, and they are just like overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and what? Worshipped him. A little baby. Why would these heathens do this? And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. This is where the gift-giving thing happened. This is why supposedly we give gifts to each other. It's not because of the commercials that keep prompting us to do so. So this, this year I decided to give my wife some frankincense and myrrh and an IOU on the gold. <laughs> and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. How cool is that? Don't miss this. See, there's a couple of things about these, these wise men that you should know. They were... They were wise, and they were men. There's no mention of gift wrapping. Have you noticed that right here? Just because they were men. Nobody's asking, you know, how do I unwrap this thing, right? I want you to, 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 to though, see this contrast between what I'm going to call the visible church and the invisible church. Are you with me on this? The visible church, that's Israel and King Herod, they are unaware of the event about to take place. The invisible church, they know for a fact that he is born. Are you catching this? The visible church is disturbed about the news. The invisible church is overjoyed and looking for him. The visible church have the scriptures, the most direct truth we can have and they take that treasure for granted the invisible church are guided by stars and stories possibly some stories that were initiated by Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego when they were in Babylon 500 years before The visible church is indifferent. Or worse, they want to kill the desire of nations and silence his hope. The visible church is passionate. They desire to worship him and adore him. The invisible church has no celebration, no gifts, no place for him to stay. The, the invisible church brings exotic and valuable gifts. Most of all, they bring their adoration. They bring him gifts that you would give to kings. And so the visible church has silence from God. The invisible church is warned by God in the dream. Are you catching the difference here? Can I tell you what the difference is? It's one word. Passion. That's it. Could the visible church been like the heathens? Could they have been like the invisible church? 
Yes, if only they had stopped being indifferent and apathetic and they had continued to move forward in the kingdom of God with passion. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is so extremely important. Let me tell you some things that I've learned from this story about passion. Passion has this kind of inquisitive, teachable spirit. They go to Jerusalem. Hey, where is he born? We need to know. We got the star, but we need more. And we trust you. Here's something else I learned, by the way. All the light is not in Jerusalem. Are you following what I'm saying here? God can speak to us in so many different ways. And we put God in the box because we think that's all that God can do. And that's all that God will do. And we're safe now because we're in the church. No. Now, without passion, there is no fuel. Number two is that they have this courageous faith. They decide we're going to follow the star. We're going to go all the way. We're going to get down there. We're going to talk to the king. We may even get killed. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I know for sure he's born, so we're going to go. Passion has an inquisitive, teachable spirit. It has courageous faith. And number three is it's very generous. They give these gifts because they're so passionate about the king. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Again, these are gifts that were given only to kings. And we have no idea what it took for them to save up for the stuff that they traveled with and probably had to, to defend off robbers and thieves along the way. And then finally, passion not only has an inquisitive, teachable spirit, a courageous faith, and a spirit of generosity, but they have a spirit of obedience. The moment they heard go back in the dream, guess what they did? They went back just like the dream told them to. What would you have done if you were living in those days? I love this quote by Nelson Mandela. There is no passion to be found Playing small. You like that? In settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. There is no passion to be found playing. In other words, as far as Nelson Mandela was concerned, it's not about whether we should have passion or not. It's about where do we find passion. And it's never found when we play small. And today we would say, you know, go big or go home, right? That's what we would say. Some years ago, and I was a young, young man before I even met Nancy, my sister had this idea. My brother lived in Italy, my brother Claudio, nice Jewish name. He lived in Italy, and in Italy, he, uh, he lived there with his wife, and my sister had this great idea because she had a good job. I did not. And, the, and, 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 and she had this idea of, of raising money to buy two tickets 
to pay for the tickets for my brother and his wife to come to the United States, but this would be a surprise to my mom and to my dad. Don't say a word. Shh. And so this idea started out in uh, May sometime. I, I, got, I, was, I was all in. All in my heart, all in my soul, all my strength. I'm like, let's do this. The hardest part was to keep it from my parents. I remember going from house to house, I kid you not, just, dry, just, just walking in, 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 the, um, in, in my neighborhood with, with this lawnmower. Knocking on people's doors. Hey, do you need your lawn mowed? Glad to do it. Five dollars. I had more no's than yeses, but hey, I, I was making some money. And then I would go and caddy. You know what caddy is? Guy who carries the bags of, for, the, for the golfers. Right? And then you have to make sure you know where the ball lands so you can go find it, you know? That's where I found my hatred, I mean my love for golf. <laughs> but it took us months and we finally made enough money, we had enough money to buy the tickets. And then we got the tickets. Now, uh, neither one of us drove, which was a problem because now we had to figure out how do we go pick up my brother and his wife from Kennedy Airport in New York, which was about 45 minutes to an hour away, probably with traffic like an hour and a half away. And so we had to let my brother Sal know because he could drive. And I remember telling him, say, shh, don't say a word, we're going to go, we're, gonna, we're picking them up. It was actually, they were actually coming in on Christmas Eve. And they were, you know, like, like, you know, they were coming, we're going to go pick them up. And, and, and Sal said, you know, how are you going to keep this from mom and dad? Look, listen, just don't say a word, you know. We're gonna, they're supposed to get in at 3 o'clock, you know. We'll get there. We should be back by 6 o'clock. You had to be back by 6 because that was dinner time. And mama did not let you get away without eating dinner at 6 o'clock. That was just, you had to do that. So, like, no problem at all, no problem at all. And so now I'm like, hey, we're going shopping, you know, with Sal. Okay, you know, so now we're out there. And, of course, everything goes wrong. Traffic, accidents, snow, the plane is late. Make a long story short, we get back home about 8 o'clock. Claudio and Gianna are waiting at the top of the steps. We're walking downstairs. We're so overjoyed. And as we're walking down the stairs, we see my mother. When your mom has your hands on the hip like this, that's not a good thing, man. She had her hip, her hands on her hip, and her, her mouth was like. And my father, he was just going. Not a good thing, man. Veins popping. I mean, it was, we were like. And we came down the steps, and my mother goes, What is wrong with you people? What time is a dinner? Yeah, but mama. No, no, but mama me. Franco. Give me the wooden spoon. <laughs> We're like old people, you know. Give, get me the wooden spoon, you know. I'm like, Mama, hold on, hold on, hold on. And, 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 and so we're like, wait, wait a minute. We, 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 you know, we got into some uh, traffic and I don't care. My father's like, listen to your mother. <laughs> and, then, and then the moment came. 
but mama, watch. And then my brother Claudio starts walking down the steps. And my mother goes from this. And all of a sudden, she just starts crying. I thought my dad was going to have a heart attack, and so we're going over to him going, come on, dad, you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. <laughs> How did you do this? And the next thing you know, there was this moment. I mean, I saw stars, you know? There was this moment. We decided if we're going to do this, we're not going to play small, man. We're going to do this big. We're going to do this with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls. And it was the most amazing gift we've ever given to anybody it was such an amazing moment to see my mom there and for the next few days to watch her and my dad just 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 absorb and cherish every single moment in the next few days christmas is here and we live in a worldly becoming, I'm too busy, I can't be bothered. The all-powerful God reminds us that if we're willing to make any accommodations for him, he is willing to make any accommodations for us. And we talk about passion, and we talk about our entheos, God within us. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Emmanuel, God with us. That's passion right there. That was Jesus having passion to come and be with us because he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You're my treasure. There's my heart. And I'm not going anywhere without you. You want to give a gift to God? Give him your life. And you will see him react like my mother reacted and climbs and reaches for the star, the God of the universe let go of his grip on divinity, stepped down to be with us because he loves us so much. That's what Christmas is about. Don't you forget it.